Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thank goodness it's Friday, September 30th, 2022. Welcome to another Ben Jarofsky Show, brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, Chicago Federation of Labor, Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all the things that there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and every now and again, because it's legal, adults only, what kind of reefers you can smoke. And columns from your very own Ben Jarofsky, Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out the program, it's real easy. Just pull out your little smartphone out of your pocket there. Hit ChicagoReader.com on the internet browser and then put a forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V-S-K-Y. That V stands for victory, folks. And here he is, the man himself, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Trotsky here. We're calling this Square Number Three Friday, and here's why. But before I explain why, a couple things get out of the way. Number one, great job, producer Chris Schrage, sitting in uh, for Dennis, Doctor D on paternity leave. Also, want to give a shout out to DJ Nate. You guys have been fantastic. And it says, you know what this says? It takes a village to sit in for a legend, okay? And <laughs> takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to sit in for Dr. D. It's true. Uh, it's, it's, it's all true, but you guys have been great, and I can't thank you enough. I want to just uh, also, uh, my partner crime, Maya Dukmasova, asked me to do this, and I do whatever Maya tells me. This Tuesday, October 4th, at the hideout, Maya and I will be uh, hosting a first Tuesday show with uh, State Senator Robert Peters and uh, criminal defense attorney April Prayer. April, one of my uh, favorite people. Uh, we'll be talking about the Safety Act, and that is an ongoing issue in Illinois politics, the whole issue about whether to get rid of cash bail. Darren Bailey is trying to use that as a motivation to scare people into voting for him and voting for against J.B. Pritzker. His commercials are linking that uh, to Lori Lightfoot, of all people. Lori Lightfoot. I mean, they just throw Lori Lightfoot into these commercials. They're trying to scare you. I guess it's not enough having like some guy on a train showing an image of some guy on a train beating someone up or accosting a woman in the street. They throw in Lori Lightfoot. Their their focus groups must have shown them that Lori Lightfoot is frightening to their core audience. I have no idea why they they put poor Lori Lightfoot into that. I guess I do have an idea. But they haven't come clean in that. Anyway, we'll be talking about the Safety Act. That's Tuesday. October 4th at the hideout, 1354 West Wabansia. Should be a fascinating discussion. All right, uh, let me get down to business here. It's, uh, oh, what a week. We have a whole bunch of news to talk about, but I'm going to get started by talking about why I say we're number three. And this has to do with a story I read in the Chicago Tribune, ladies and gentlemen, today, uh, home delivered as always, about on-site sports gambling in the state of Illinois. I spent way too much time, I think, reading about this story. I called up my dear friend, Benji, Bookie Benji, Benji the Bookie, to talk about it. We were on the phone for 45 minutes talking about sports gambling online sports gambling it's like cramming for a test folks i know way too much about sports gambling online now i would probably have forgotten everything by sunday but right now it's like in my brain crowding out shoving elbowing other stuff that i think is really important like pop hits from the 70s have been elbowed out because of sports line gambling uh online gambling and sports betting where's the headline i gotta read the headline it's wait here we go now, this is a classic uh, Tribune headline, because th- let me just set this up by saying uh, the Tribune is always obsessively right. And it sometimes does this, too. This is like uh, it, this is like corporate speak in a way. So they're always obsessively ranking Illinois, comparing it to other states uh, to try to determine whether we are stronger or weaker whether we're improving or declining, whether things are getting better or getting worse. And absolutely anything is used as a measurement stick. And sometimes the higher you are, the mean it's, the, the, the more means you're worse, like if crime is rising, okay? But then, like, the things 
that they count as indication that we're doing bad when, uh, excuse me, that we're doing good when we go up the list, I'm like, questionable. All right. So here, uh, that's my way of introducing this headline. State down to one bidder for online betting. But hopeful tied to Mexican gaming firm also faces headwinds. Here's the lead. The nascent sports betting industry is booming in Illinois, growing into the third largest market in the U.S. after just two years of pandemic disrupted operation. But the state may soon come up empty in its efforts to add three new online only sports books in a roster already loaded with national players. All right. The state may come up empty like that's a bad thing. My question to you, ladies and gentlemen, if we have three sites that we could use, three, one, two, three gambling sites that any one of us could use to place a bet on a sporting event, which we probably shouldn't place anyway, unless it's just a recreational bet and you're just throwing money away or you don't care. But I don't know if it's a good idea if you're like hanging on paycheck to paycheck, you know what I'm saying? Barely meeting your bills. I don't know if it's a good idea to have more opportunities to place bets. Because the whole thing is rigged against you betters. Hello. (laughs) I don't know if it's like a good thing to have more opportunities. So therefore, I don't know if it's a bad thing if the state can't add to the roster, like the Tribune is suggesting, coming up empty. So we have uh, three online betting sites already right now in Illinois that you could use to place a bet. Now, the way this thing works is when you place a bet, ladies and gentlemen, you not only put the money down that you're betting, let's say $100, you have to pay a fee to place the bet. Just keep that in mind, okay? So when you win back the money, whatever, if let's say you win, you don't win back the fee. So they cut it. You have to pay money to make money, and in most cases, you're going to lose. One more time. I'm not sure it's a good idea to increase the amount of online betting uh, options. We already got three. Isn't that enough? Now, here's something else they say in the story. This is a fascinating little tidbit. You got to go down. You got to turn the page. You got to really plow ahead in this thing to get to this. Of course, if it's online, you could just read it without turning the page. Illinois sports betting generated $8.5 billion in wagers. $8.5 billion in wagers. The state collected $92 million in tax revenue. So... $8.5 billion was bet on these online sites from folks in Illinois. The state got $92 million. That's like 1%. I don't know. Man, I pay more of that in taxes on my income tax. <laughs> How is that a good deal for Illinois taxpayers? Like they always say, oh, this is great. We're going to uh, encourage a vice. You know, they consider gambling a vice. But don't worry, taxpayers, it's going to be good for you because we could tax the vice and we'll bring in money. So that'll offset uh, the amount of money that you, the non-vice taxpayers, pay. But we're only getting like 1%. How is that good? I, I, I don't. Now, there is a, a, a one-time fee that you have to pay a lot to get the license, but that's one time. I'm talking about going forward. Like, why is this a good deal for taxpayers? I'm not quite sure how this is a good deal for taxpayers going forward. $8.5 billion. That's a lot of money that people just gambled away uh, in the state of Illinois. Most of you lost that money. And most of that money is soaked up uh, by the, um, the operators, so you're not like giving the money. It's sort of like the parking meter deal. When you go pay a parking meter, you think, all right, I have to pay this parking meter deal, but that's okay because it'll go to a fund that'll pave the streets, help pay for paving the streets, help pay for uh, police pensions, firefighters' pensions, police salary, schools, et cetera. So uh-uh, <laughs> because the city of Chicago sold the parking meters. It's just going to the company that owns the parking meters. You're just going to have to pay for all other stuff by increasing your taxes. And by the way, the taxes, the reason it's so low is that the deal that they cut 
uh, we only pay the tax, excuse me, we get a tax on the amount of money the on-site uh, gambling venues claim they have made. That's like taxing the net as opposed to the gross. Everybody, even I know you're supposed to tax the gross if you want to make the most money. Not after they've claimed all their, well, we had to pay this guy, we had to pay that, the electric, oh my God, the computer bill was outrageous this year. <laughs> I had to pay my producer, producer Chris. That's huge right there. Chris is laughing because he knows that's not true. That's outrageous. Oh my God, the money that we're paying, it's unbelievable. The electric costs on air conditioning out alone. It's like in Hollywood. No matter how much money a movie makes, it always loses money. Ever notice that? They always when they, when they get that. So this is like we're paying on the, the amount of money they say they made. Who negotiated these deals? Probably a dead broke gambler. But it's a good deal, taxpayers. Oh, yeah, really good deal. So anyway, and then there's the issue of uh, weird number three. Uh, and uh, so I will now read the, the relevant paragraph to this story. Uh, in this story, Illinois ranks third in total handle. That's what they call it, total handle, among the states that have legal sports betting, according to a report, blah, 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 blah. Number one is New York. Uh, and uh, number two is New Jersey. Nevada ranks fourth. Illinois is number third. Yeah. <laughs> We're like proud of that. That's the other thing. The day before his Tribune, or maybe it was two days ago, I can't remember, losing track of time, reported Chicago is no longer third in Chicago public school enrollment. We're now fourth. Guys, you guys have been the same Chicago Tribune that's been bashing the public schools forever. It's surprised that people don't go there. By the way, this is the same city that tore down thousands and thousands of units public housing uh, and is raising property taxes more and more and more to pay for its essential bills. We'll get into that later. And you wonder why enrollment is falling. Hello, connect the dots. But it's like enrollment falling. See, I would argue, I would just say this, uh, Chicago Tribune, that the general policy of the city of Chicago for at least the last 30 years arguably beyond that, has been to gentrify Chicago, to make Chicago have a wealthier tax base. And that means you move poor people out and you bring wealthier people in. Chicago is too expensive for a lot of people because guess what? Your policy is working. So you could argue, Chicago Tribune, that the the declining student enrollment in Chicago public schools is an indication of the policies that you've been championing for the last 30 years have worked. Chicago is a more expensive city. It costs more to live here. Poor people can't afford to live here. Working class people can't afford to live here. I know some producers of my show who can't afford to live here. It costs money to live in the city of Chicago. It used to be Back in the day when I first moved here, they would argue we need to force police and fire and teachers, municipal employees to live in Chicago. Otherwise, our tax base will shrink. We need that revenue in the city to prop up our city. That was an argument that Mayor Daley, the first Mayor Daley made, and Baby Daley seconded. Now police, fire, and teachers are telling me they can't afford to live in Chicago. The policy works so well, you have an expensive city. We all know Monroe Anderson comes into the show every week and says the strategy in the city of Chicago since Mayor Daley, Baby Daley got elected is to make Chicago Paris. Keep rich people in Chicago, move poor people out to the suburbs or downstate or to Iowa or to Minnesota or to Wisconsin or to Indiana or wherever they go. No one cares. Just get out of here. That's why we're leasing off land that's supposed to be for low-income housing for the Chicago fire. So I would argue, Chicago Tribune, that a declining Chicago public school enrollment is an indication that the policies that you have championed for all these years are working. You should applaud the Chicago schools for doing its part. <laughs> they closed 50 schools under Rom. You cheered them when they closed those schools. Bruce Rauner cheered, those, cheered them when they closed those schools. Kenny G, Ken Griffin, the man who finances the Republican Party, or used to, he said they didn't close enough. And then you wonder why enrollment has fallen. 
oh my god this is terrible for chicago we're not number three anymore well good news tribune we're now the state of illinois may be losing people but we're soaking the people who stayed with sports gambling sites so i'm not quite certain if it's bad news that we're not going to add to that i think chicago and the state of illinois in general is probably betting enough all right enough on that i'm going to turn things over to producer chris take it away with oh what a week thank you benjamin here we go oh what a week if you're not familiar with what we do here we just discuss some of the headlines from the week some of the stuff that may have got covered on the show earlier in the week or some stuff that we may not have even got to just dropped this morning so as ben kind of alluded to a little bit earlier there's a whole property tax situation going on and a lot of people were unsure as to what might be the future well, we now know. I have a story right here, headline from Bloomberg. Chicago Mayor Nixes property tax hike in budget proposal. So, Ben, I know you saw this, and I know you've got a lot to say. We are facing a 2.5% hike, and uh, and now we're not. So, that's yeah. good, right? Well, it's, uh, yeah, so it's good for uh, property taxpayers because uh, you don't have to pay more. Uh, and I am a property taxpayer, so I'm secretly cheering. My property taxes have gone up so much uh, in the last mm, approximately 22 years. In fact, it was a uh, uh, what they call sticker shock that woke me up to the whole property tax system in the city of Chicago. I uh, bought my house in 1985. I lived here for about 10 years without really paying attention. Uh, to property taxes in the city of Chicago. The raises weren't that substantial. And then I think it was around 2001, around thereabouts, I got a huge substantial raise. And it's, this was the result of the impact of what I just got finished talking about, gentrification. A little quiet, north side, modest neighborhood with a lot of factories, diverse population, all kinds of people with back, different backgrounds, working class people, middle class people, no one that wealthy. I was a broke ass reader writer so i kind of fit in uh pretty well with everybody who lived in my neighborhood at the time that neighborhood was very attractive uh to uh wealthier people lawyers doctors accountants all kinds of professionals moved in the neighborhood the housing prices went up 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 people said oh ben that's great the value of your house is going up 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 and i go well i'm not looking to sell my house i just want to live in my house <laughs> I'm not like a day trader. You know what I mean? A day trade real estate guy. Bought the house in 1985. Looked to double my investment in 1995. No, I just want to be some like guy, you know, like American middle class guy. You know what I mean? Uh, work for an alternative newspaper, send his kids to school, maybe send them to the park district camp. They go to day camp at the park district for some modest fee. You know, that's kind of like a middle class existence in Chicago for a baby boomer. Gentrification changes all that. It's property tax rises with the value of your home. The amount you pay in property tax is determined to a large degree by the value of your home. If, if prices go up in your neighborhood, your property tax bill is going to go up in your neighborhood. Suddenly I'm screaming. Suddenly me, lefty, lefty Ben, my whole life been a lefty. I get that property tax bill. I'm sounding like, sounding like Bruce Rauner. What's going on? <laughs> Government spending's out of control. I took the deep dive. That's when I started really taking a deep dive and tiffs and the unfairness of the whole system. You know, I think, oh, that's why our property taxes are so high. You know, police settlements. Oh, that's why our property tax bill is so high. Unfunded pensions. Oh, that's why our property tax is so high. So, yeah, it's a very big deal. The amount you pay in property taxes. Now, you renters out there, you think, oh, you're, you, you don't understand this. I've had this conversation with so many renters. I go, you realize your landlord pays the property tax. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but now that you say it, yes, I guess that's true. And you realize that your landlord is probably going to pass that property taxpayer hike onto you in the ter- form of higher rent. Oh, I never really realized that before. <laughs> If you don't see a property tax bill, you you can go through life thinking that it doesn't exist. I never saw one, Ben. I'm not even sure that it's real. Well, it's real. Let me tell you. I'll show you. Want me to show you mine? No, I don't want to see your property tax. I used to go around giving lectures and tips with my property tax bill. People are like, Ben, you're scaring everybody with your property tax bill. And then sometimes I would take a property tax bill of somebody I know who lived in a TIF district because I wanted to explain the, the impact of TIFs on property taxes. So I had this guy's property. I would, I would go to these uh, these meetings to talk about TIFs with two property tax bills, my own and some guy I know who runs a bowling alley. <laughs> Here's two property tax bills. People are like, man, this guy is really weird. 
But see, you got to take the deep dive if you understand how government works, ladies and gentlemen. And that it requires, if you really want to understand how government works, you have to understand how property taxes work. And you have to understand how TIFs work. Well, most people in the city of Chicago, Ben, that's just too much information. I can't deal with that. I just want to watch the Bears game. Leave me alone. I want to do online sports betting. Leave me alone. I want to smoke my reefer. Leave me alone. I want to get drunk. Leave me alone. Anyway, so yes, property taxes will not go up as uh, threatened. And I will explain to you why that is the case. We are heading into an election season. Mayor Lori Lightfoot does not want to run for re-election uh, on the platform of having raised your property taxes. She doesn't want to have to go absolutely everywhere and answer questions. Why did you raise my property taxes? You ever notice how people complain about property taxes are generally older people? <laughs> it's I'm so mad. My property tax bill. You know Lori listens to the Ben Jarofsky show every week and she and she hears you talking about your property tax bill. Yeah. She Chad cares. Lord she him. cares. She cares, Ben. <laughs> yeah, she cares a lot about my property tax bill. Anyway, so Lori Lightfoot uh, is uh, pretty smart. She knows how the game is played. This is a classic game. In an election year, mayors don't raise property taxes. Now, let me explain how budgets work. At the start of a, a budget season, they project it's all a projection. They project how much money that's coming in, how much money they will spend, and how much they'll need to raise in property taxes uh, to meet those expenses. So traditionally what happens uh, as you come into election year, you make projections that show more money than expected is coming in so we won't have to raise property taxes. Once a mayor is reelected or elected for the first time, then you get this speech. Uh, it has occurred to us uh, that our, uh, the projections of the last mayor were wrong uh, and we've not uh, received the amounts of money we expected. That's because of outdated budget pra practices where they're kicking the can down the road. Uh, they weren't meeting their obligations, but this is a new era. Folks, I'm doing things differently. I ran at, for mayor telling you I do things differently. We're going to be transparent. We're going to be open. And we have to acknowledge the fact that projections uh, did not meet what the reality is. And reality is this. I have to raise your property taxes. That's what they say after they've been elected because they got three more years to let everybody, the anger, settle. And then people, <laughs> and then it works. Folks, do you know how many people have parroted back to me the BS that mayors say? Like I write a column criticizing Mayor Daly or Mayor Rahm or Mayor Lightfoot and some starry-eyed supporter of them will go, Ben, you realize, of course, that he's just making up for all the mistakes that the previous mayor made. These guys have been running the city of Chicago for 30 freaking years. They're the previous mayors who made the mistakes. Chicagoans are like, well, no, Ben, you're unfair. Oh, Chicagoans, you are such a crew. So anyway, yes, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I think is, I don't know where her ranking is right now in the public opinion polls, Chris. I think it's like 30% or less than 30. Who knows? It's not high. She has a good chance of making the runoff. In fact, if I were a betting man and they took gambling, uh, took these bets on online sports bets, I would bet that she will definitely make the runoff. Uh, but then to win in the runoff, mm, maybe a little more difficult, particularly if she's just raised the property tax. So they had this provision in the tax, and the uh, and I guess they passed it a couple of years ago that would automatically raise the property tax uh, if uh, uh, inflation was over a certain level. I forget how the, the exact formula. So. Inflation's going up, uh, so that would automatically raise the property tax. There's going to be a huge amount of money coming into City Hall. You know, the mayor's like, on one hand, oh, man, I really want to spend that money because that's another thing when they're running for re-election. Suddenly, that's when they pave the roads. Well, you didn't know that, Chicago? You've been living here your whole life. You didn't realize that the cycle of road paving is like every four years, three years, it's Armageddon. Three years, it's a lunar surface. And then in the then the final election year, oh, my God, I could eat lunch on this road. It's so smooth. I could gamble on this road. It's so smooth. Yes, throw some dice on that roll. Keeping the gambling metaphor going. So, yes, the mayor is going to – this is a two for, for the mayor. One, she gets good news, property taxpayers. I'm not going to raise your property taxes. And then she says – 
And the reason I'm not is because I'm such a great, astute manager. I'm such a great, astute fiduciary manager. How about that? And I have done such a great job of managing your money. I don't need to raise your property taxes. And you, the grateful voters of the city of Chicago, go, thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you. And then you will be obediently reelect her. That's what you did with Rom. That's what you did with Daly. And that's my guess what you'll do with Lori Lightfoot. Because that's how you do it in the city of Chicago. You believe whatever they tell you, even, you know, even, though, you, even though you know in your heart of hearts, it's a bunch of BS. That's the property tax game, Chris, in a nutshell. Oh, man. I just learned a lot right there. I feel a little overwhelmed. I need to fan <laughs> myself here. Anytime you get talking about TIFFs or about property taxes, Ben Jarofsky will heat up a room. <laughs> if you've never been out to First Tuesday, you should probably get down there to the hideout this next month on the 4th because I'm sure all this is going to get covered and you're going to feel the temperature in the room move up about <laughs> seven and a half degrees. It's a big room at the hideout. It's hard to do, but it happens. You got me all heated, but back on track. Here we go. So the next thing, Ben, I know you follow the Tribune a lot. Like, literally, you're on the pulse. Your finger's just hanging on. A bunch of stuff going on. I follow downstate issues. So anytime Darren Bailey's in the news, I follow what's going on with Darren Bailey. I'm not a big fan of Darren Bailey, but I follow him because I'm from downstate. Uh, So I'm going to take this next story. Instead of reading it from from a Tribune piece, I'm actually going to read it from a piece from Vandalia Radio. Todd Stapleton covered this issue. At the Tribune editorial board yesterday, Darren Bailey went before the board and mentioned the state of Illinois as uh, as part of his family. But he also mentioned the city of Chicago, and he mentioned us as an unruly child of the state. So he's moved us from a hellhole to an unruly child. So I definitely want to give Todd Stapleton down at uh, Vandalia Radio a little credit for covering this because downstaters cover these issues too, Ben. All right, let me take a deep dive in this one. Yes, Darren Bailey appeared at the Chicago uh, Tribune editorial board. It's part of their endorsement session. Uh, And um, J.B. Pritzker did not. Let's just start there. J.B. Pritzker says the Chicago Tribune editorial board uh, is unfair to him, uh, puts out, promotes uh, inaccurate material, uh, will never give him a fair shake. And so he's through with them. He's not the first Democrat to say that, by the way. Uh, Rob Martwick came on the show. State Senator Rob Martwick came on the show. He says he's through with them as well. And listen, I have my issues with the Chicago Tribune editorial board, as anybody knows. I say it all the time. Uh, They're an extreme right wing uh, voice for corporate America. Uh, As such, they pretend that they're uh, legitimate uh, analysts, that their analysis are legitimate, uh, that they're just dealing with facts. But they have an agenda and they don't acknowledge their agenda. See, I have an agenda, too. Anybody with an opinion, anybody who writes a column, anybody who has a podcast has an agenda. I at least admit my agenda. I'm a New Deal Democrat. The great moment in my life was something that existed before I was even born. So you can't even call it a great moment in my life. But like the commitment of New Deal Democrats under FDR, like if you're poor, you need a job, we'll get you a job. We'll set up Social Security so when you're old, you're not like what? groveling for food in the backyard or something, you know, like eating out of a soup can for the rest of your life, you know, taking care of people. That's kind of like the vision I have. So I'm constantly looking at the inequities of society and how we say we're looking out for the poor people or the working class people or the middle class. Generally, it's the middle class because focus groups show that you say if you're looking out for poor people. That doesn't play with the middle class. So you have to say you're looking out for the middle class. All right. So we're always looking out for the middle class. And somehow or other, we pass tax plans and TIF plans that help the richest. Wait, what about me, the middle class? So the Tribune, I just think is they don't they're not very honest about where they're coming from. And they pick and choose the fights uh, they're going to take. And for instance, they'll wage holy war against Michael Joseph Madigan and his successes, and they'll kind of look the other way at Donald John Trump. And I'm like, guys, if you're against tyrannical governments, if you're against autocrats, you got to be against them when they're Democrat and Republican. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, I kind of like this autocrat, so I'm going to support him. Or you can't say, well, I'm afraid of the feedback that'll come if I support this autocrat from the people who read my newspaper. So I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. No. If you go hard at Madigan, you got to go hard at Trump. If you don't do both, then you're hypocritical. You stand for nothing. You say you have principles, but you don't have principles. You just have tactics. 
That's my gripe with the Chicago Tribune. It's been my gripe with the Chicago Tribune, ladies and gentlemen, editorial board since the 1970s. Yes, the 19th. So I can't even blame the current people on the Chicago Tribune board. They probably weren't even born. <laughs> I just find people that fit in. Some guy was born in 1985. Hey, come work for the Tribune. Are you, are you ready to be a warrior for the right? Yeah. Where do I sign up? So anyway, so it's Democrats that say, that's had it. We're not going to get a fair shake for the Tribune. We're not going to show up at the Tribune. All right, fair enough, man. They don't have to go. Like, they don't have to show up on my show either. You know, it's not the army. Can't make someone show up. So Darren Bailey was the only one who showed up at the Tribune editorial board uh, meeting. I read the article that the Tribune did their account of. It was uh, pretty fair. Uh, but the reality is this. Uh, Darren Bailey is very much running a campaign in which he depicts Chicago as a quote unquote hellhole. He said that that's the word he uses to define Chicago, a hellhole. And everything I know about downstate voters from Chris and Dennis and other downstate friends of mine is that that kind of rhetoric plays big downstate. In fact, J.B. Pritzker was governor for less than a month. And Dennis was showing me on his Facebook feed memes posted by friends of his from downstate denouncing Pritzker. I'm like, the dude has been governor for one month. They already hated him. And I know there's an attitude about many people downstate that people in Chicago think they're better than people downstate, that people in Chicago are arrogant and elitist and snobs. And that's mixed with the attitude that they People in Chicago are dangerous thugs, hoodlums, crooks, stealing t property taxes, etc., and so forth. So it's a toxic mix of hating Chicago. And Dara Bailey got to where he was in the Republican Party, the top of the ticket, by hating Chicago. That is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. That is a fact. He has linked J.B. Pritzker to like the worst stereotypes downstate people have about prominent Chicagoans. Now, like every stereotype, there's a kernel of truth in him. I'm not going to lie. J.B. Pritzker did cheat on his property taxes or tried to with the, the bathroom and the, the Gold Coast mansion. Yeah, we all know. I talked about it extensively. Here's the difference. If you're going to be like principled, if you're going to have principles, you got to criticize the people that are carrying the torch for the issues you believe in when they go wrong. You can't just ignore it when you're like, oh, I'm scared because MAGA may get mad at me. <laughs> That's why you'll never hear like John Cass will never criticize MAGA, but he'll criticize Madigan. Same thing with the Tribune editorial board. So anyway, I realize there's a kernel of truth to all this. And there is a certain amount of hypocrisy on the part of them. Absolutely. But folks downstate, probably in their heart of hearts, like the programs that Pritzker uh, pushed forward, starting with this one, legalization of reefer. This is the biggest BS issue in the state of Illinois, the notion that people downstate don't want reefer legalized. I know a lot of people from downstate Illinois, half, and almost every single one, I'm not even going to say half of them, I'm pretty much sure that every single one of them is smoking reefer at one time or another, probably right now. And so <laughs> this notion that somehow or other J.B. Pritzker passed a law that people oppose downstate is made up. It's a contrivance. J.P. Pritzker should be going throughout downstate, in my humble opinion, talk, bragging about how he legalized reefer. But instead, it's, it's treated as though it's this imposition put on downstate people by elite, arrogant Chicagoans. It's just like they feed you guys propaganda. You're just you're not better than Chicagoans, downstaters. Remember, I just got finished talking about how mayors open up the little brains of Chicagoans and feed in propaganda and they nod along. You're the same way. You just do it for MAGA. 
one month in. That is, we'd be on the train coming home, Chris, from the old studio that we used to have before COVID kicked us out. Dennis go, look at this. <laughs> Pritzker sucks memes. This guy's been in office for one month. Anyway, so, yes, Darren Bailey rode that Chicago is a hellhole crusade all the way to the Republican nomination. That in his embracing of Trump and MAGA. When Donnie Trump came to Chicago, uh, to Illinois, uh, to do a rally for Mary Miller, you bet Darren Bailey was there. You bet he showed up for that one. He wanted every MAGA person in the state to know that he was Donnie Trump's man in Illinois. Now let's go back to the editorial board meeting. What a freaking flip-flop, MAGA. He's like trying, he's dancing and dodging and ducking. He's D.B. Travolta. That's what we call him because he dances so quick on his feet. He's a hefty guy, but he's quick on his feet. He's like, well, I'm not really uh, a Donald Trump guy. I mean, there's some things I like by Donald Trump, but I, 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 it's just uh, not everything I like about him. And but by the way, uh, I'm in Illinois, so Donald Trump is irrelevant. <laughs> what? He wasn't so irrelevant when you needed the MAGA votes to win the primary. He wasn't so irrelevant when he wanted to kiss his little ring to let everybody know that you were a MAGA man. Funny how relevant he was when you were trying to secure MAGA's votes to be the nominee. Now you're trying to get some swing voter in the suburbs to vote for you. Uh, can we change the subject? Donald who? <laughs> you're like Cedric the Entertainer in Barbershop. Michael who? You're going, Donald who? So already, MAGA, he sold you out already. <laughs> I'm just saying, MAGA, you're always like, we don't believe in political correctness. We tell it like it is and let the chips fall where they may. And there's a First Amendment right to say what we feel, even if it insults somebody. Yeah, your guy is already being political correct, politically correct. I'm just saying, sounds like political correctness to me. We won't champion Donnie Trump because he's afraid someone might not like it. He's already selling you out, MAGA. He hasn't even got elected and he's selling you out. And then there's Dara Bailey on the abortion issue. This one is a piece of work, ladies and gentlemen. Same editorial board meeting. So DB, Darren Bailey, lifelong opponent of abortion. We talked about it on this show. I wrote columns about it. Plenty of people have written about this. The message he gave in 2017 on his Facebook page to his voters in his district when he was trying to get elected to be state rep and he was trying to prove that the incumbent state rep wasn't MAGA enough, wasn't right wing enough. And he said it. Go look at it. He said that the number of abortions that we have allowed in our country is worse, worse than the genocide committed against Jews by the Nazis. He said it. I didn't say it. He said it. Worse, because he viewed every single abortion, every single aborted fetus, every single impregnated egg as a human life. It's murder. That's what he said. And now... He's running for governor in a general election. He's worried about swing voters. He's pulling back on that. Well, listen, the law protects abortion right now, so it's not really an issue. Oh, that law won't exist, my friends, if Darren Bailey is elected governor. He'll try to eradicate that law pronto. And if you're foolish enough to elect Republican judges to the state Supreme Court, those lawsuits that are attempting to undo that law, those will be validated by those judges. So he's trying to pretend like an issue, a very relevant and real issue, is not really a relevant and real issue. So a little ducking and dodging on the part of Dara Bailey at that uh, Chicago Tribune editorial board meeting. And I do not blame uh, J.B. Pritzker for not showing up. I think that... Uh, the Chicago Tribune should like think about the consequences of the, some of the stuff they've been writing going back to the 1960s when they said it was the Panthers who shot at the police as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, you guys have been at this game a long time, Chicago Tribune. People old like me can remember this stuff.
And maybe they'll change some of their editorials, try not to be so absurd and ridiculous. So, yeah, that uh, that's my thoughts on Darabin. I guess we've been promoted. So he says we're an unruly child instead of a hellhole. So I guess in his mind, that's a promotion. <laughs> so someone in Chicago goes, okay, yeah, I guess you don't really hate us and not been trying to use us and uh, turn down state fears and hatreds against us uh, into support. We're an unruly child. He tried that one before, remember? I remember that, Chris. He came to Chicago for some kind of protest. I think it was a mask protest. And he claimed that every now and, every now and then uh, you have to take your child, an unruly child, and spank him. <laughs> At least he took the spanking part out of it, this one. He's not talking about spanking us anymore. Remember, he's like, well, I got to spank. Every now and then you got to spank the child. And then the child falls in line. So that's his attitude toward Chicago. I'm going to spank you. That ought to win over a lot of votes in the city of Chicago, Chris. If he thinks Chicago is an unruly child, I'd like to see him come to Alton. <laughs> no offense. Love it here. But we're pretty unruly, is all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, my God. They act like people downstate don't party. They act well, like people in downstate don't smoke reefer. They act like well, people downstate don't take psychedelic. <laughs> psychedelic. Yeah, and he, and he turns on the country dumb when he needs to. He's like, well, that that's just not an important issue. I, I don't know much about that. Yeah, it's exactly what okay, he does. Darren. Yeah, we're we're smart. Like he's making us all look really bad. I mean, that's the thing about it. And it's whether you agree with his politics or not, he's definitely not making downstaters look good. So let's yeah. go back upstate for this next story. We're gonna go to the Chicago Sun Times. Ben's big bright one. Yes, you've seen it. You've read it. It comes to many of your doors. There's Ben's got one right right on his table right now but you could have one to your door just go to chicago sun times you can figure out how to get uh, get hooked up with that so we're going to read this next story headline reads sorry chewy chicago teachers union united working families endorse brandon johnson for mayor so you yeah. you've seen this guy he's been around for a while yeah brandon johnson yeah. oh yeah uh brandon johnson's been guest on my show uh and he has his own show I think his show was on that radio station that fired me. I can't remember the, uh, the radio station call letters. But uh, uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, I've known him for a while. He's a, uh, he works for the Chicago Teachers Union. He is a Cook County commissioner. Uh, he's one of the most powerful orators uh, in the city. I mean, that man can give a speech. Uh, he's a good lefty. He came to the hideout. Speaking of the first Tuesday shows, he came to the hideout uh, to debate Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Uh, this is back in, uh, yeah, it's about February of 2020, I want to say, uh, losing track of time uh, before the pandemic kicked in, really, uh, and closed down uh, nightclubs like the hideout. Uh, and he, the debate was uh, Carlos was for uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Brandon Johnson was for Elizabeth Warren. It was a great debate. The guy's good, at, quick on his feet. Uh, with a debate. And, you know, if they said they were going to start civil, I just remember this, and they were just going to stick to the issues, and next thing you know, the pits are flying. And <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, there was uh, Carlos was talking about Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas, uh, and Brandon Johnson was talking about uh, Bernie as being old, and I'm like, ah, yeah, my Democrats, uh, right down in the mud. Uh, but uh, so this is, look, here's the deal with this one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, lefties in Chicago wanted to, to defeat Lori Lightfoot for a whole host of reasons. Uh, they've been uh, at war with each other from the moment as she uh, stepped into office. It's very bizarre. I'm not quite sure I understand why Lori Lightfoot would uh, be so, how do I put this, hard-headed on this? You know, I, I understand Lori Lightfoot. The Chicago Teachers Union came in strong for Tony Preckwinkle in 2019. They overplayed their hand, in my humble opinion, uh, as uh, did a lot of lefties in the city of Chicago. United Working Families, which is the group uh, right here, came in strong for Tony Preckwinkle. I was against that. I didn't think Tony Preckwinkle's career in politics warranted such strong support. I didn't think she was that much of a progressive. Uh, and I felt that Lori Lightfoot in all likelihood was going to win. That's what the tea leaves uh, showed. So why would you come in so hard against someone who's going to be the next mayor? All right. Uh, didn't make sense to me, but listen, they don't listen to me any more than Darren Bailey listens to me. So they did their thing. Now, here's the deal about Lori Lightfoot. She came to the hideout for our first Tuesday show. Mick Dumpke and me were the hosts back then. That's before Maya took over for Mick. Uh, and she told us, she, she said, she would not hold it against the Chicago Teachers Union. 
that the Chicago Teachers Union had come in so strong for Tony Preckwinkle. It's politics. And when the campaign's over, she's going to reach out to everybody. Well, she never did that. She kept that fight going with the Chicago Teachers Union, personalized it, has something about Stacey Davis Gates that really gets under Lori Lightfoot's skin. I do not know what it is. She kept that fight going well past any reasonable point. And she also kept the fight going against the Chicago City Council, which has not done well for her. In her uh, inaugural address, she ripped the Chicago City Council. And so there's guys in the Chicago City Council who will never forgive her for that. People in the Chicago City Council will never forgive her for that. So here we are now, uh, heading into 2023 mayoral election, and the left is determined to unseat Lori Lightfoot. The most obvious candidate to lead that challenge would be Jesus Chewy Garcia. He uh, was the standard banner uh, in 2015 against Rahm. Uh, that was the race where Karen Lewis was going to run, but she got sick. And so instead, she, Karen Lewis, plucked Jesus Chewy Garcia out of obscurity. Jesus Chewy Garcia owes his political career to two black people. One, Harold Washington, who uh, gave him his first job with the city and then championed uh, his run for alderman back in the 80s. And two, Karen Lewis, who plucked him from obscurity. As I said, he was a commissioner on the Cook County Board of Commissioners. She propped him up. She turned him into the second coming of Harold Washington, or tried to. It was enough to get him into a runoff against Rahm, and then enough eventually to pull, I forget, 40-something percent of the vote in the general against Rahm. Forced a mayor into a runoff. And ever since then, his stature has been high. It was elevated. He's now perhaps the best-known Hispanic politician in the city of Chicago. He's probably the best-known lefty politician uh, in the city of Chicago. He, uh, went to, he cut a deal with Louis Gutierrez. Louis stepped out as congressman. Uh, Chewy stepped in. And now, like, when Chewy Garcia makes announcements, it's, it's news. Like, he holds press conferences. I'm endorsing this person. I'm endorsing that person. And then they invariably win many cases. Because that endorsement alone is enough in people's mind. It's like, oh, if Chewy's for him, this person must be a good progressive, liberal, lefty, whatever you call yourself. So he's the obvious choice. But here we are. What is it? September. We're at the end of the month. He can't pull a trigger on this thing, Chris. He can't come out and say, I'm running. It's like the lefties of Chicago say, Chewy, are you running or are you not running? Let me get back to you on that. It doesn't work that way. They're already collecting signatures. Hello, Chewy. You want to run? Run. You don't want to run? Say you're not running. I mean, I, Arnie Duncan did this. Arnie Duncan flirted with being running for city mayor of the city of Chicago that he decided for whatever reason not that he wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to make that joke, Pete Cunningham, that he got afraid of Lori's uh, elbows. I'll just leave that alone. He decided he wasn't going to do it. Mike Quigley, same thing. Mike quickly flirted with the notion and he said, for whatever reason, he wasn't going to run. That's what you do. If you're a prominent politician and people are thinking about, you know, supporting you, you let them know that you're not running. So that if somebody wants to endorse a, a left, another lefty challenger or a middle of the road challenger, in the case of Arnie Duncan and Quigley, they can do so. You free it up. Otherwise, it's selfish. You're just clogging a lane. You're just keeping lefties from getting their campaign going. And it's still, by the way, it's, it's still kind of clogging a lane because Brandon hasn't come out and announced official yet. You notice that? Like, he's gotten these endorsements he hasn't officially announced. Come on, Chewy. Even now, Chewy, so Chewy Garcia, Jesus Garcia asked Working Party's family and Chicago teachers, you hold off. I haven't made up my mind yet. <laughs> Dude, it's September 30th. The time for hesitation's through. No time to wallow in the mire. Yeah, full rock song. For, I apologize for going there. Anyway, yes, it's put up or shut up time uh, for Jesus Chewy Garcia. I've always felt, Chris, that he was not going to run, that uh, being a congressman was far more, I don't know what the right word is, enjoyable, uh, easy. It's easier than being mayor of the city of Chicago, less taxing. Uh, he can take uh, high-profile uh, lefty positions without any consequences. 
or if you're a case of my quickly middle of the road positions without consequences, you know, you could always, you, you, you could just bash Trump and MAGA and everybody will cheer. You never have to like take a stand against somebody in your party, which you will have to do if you're the mayor of Chicago, you will have to take stands that upset somebody within like the democratic party. So it's far easier, less challenging, less taxing uh, to be a congressman or a congresswoman. Absolutely. So I always thought, should we Garcia? He's like my age. We're roughly like the same age. I can't imagine me being, having the energy or stamina to be mayor of the city of Chicago. Why would you want to do it, Chewy? Instead, you could just be like, you know, this beloved congressman who gives endorsements and then people fall in line and vote for who you want. So, yeah, I um, it's put up or shut up time for Jesus Chewy Garcia. You want to be mayor of the city of Chicago? The time has come uh, to announce. Otherwise, announce that you're not running so that the lefties can make their move and run their candidate uh, with the hopes that their candidate makes the runoff. There we go. So that finishes out. Oh, what a week. Thank you so much, Ben, for uh, for filling us in on all this stuff. I know I learned some things, and I'm sure we're going to learn some more at the first Tuesday show coming up on October 4th. Maya and Ben at the hideout, hideoutchicago.com for information, tickets, all that info. And uh, they're going to be talking about the purge law. <laughs> Is it really a purge? Find out. First Tuesdays, October 4th at the hideout. All right. Very good. Thank you very much, Chris. And thank you very much uh, for sitting in all week. You and DJ Nate, as I said, doing a great job sitting in for uh, the legendary Dr. D out on paternity leave. Uh, D, I'm sending all these good vibrations to you. Those are good vibrations going to Dr. D. And as I always say, Chris, keep yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. Chicago Reader, the coolest place on the internet and the best place to find out what's going on in the city of Chicago. Check it out. Have a great week, everybody.